It's Thursday. You know what that means. Welcome in the Highly Disputed. My name is Dylan Bishop, and with me, as always, is Ryan Stickle. How's it going, Ryan? We're on to baseball season. We've uh, we, we've completed basketball. Basketball's over. Nobody's playing basketball anymore. We're just it's summertime. We're on to baseball. It's over. Is that what happened? That's what happened. So I, at least that's what I've been told. Yeah, because the right the Knicks aren't playing basketball anymore. I know that much. Well, I mean that's it's like the only team really. I mean they they play other teams, but those teams are only created to play the Knicks. So I'm I'm as far as I'm aware, uh, the NBA is over. Um, they just called it a season. Um, I mean we're going on uh, you know forty something years here without a champion. So I don't know, <laughs> I don't know what's going on, but. But this year's NBA champion is the San Antonio Spurs. They won the championship lottery uh, on what Tuesday night. Uh, yeah, yeah, that was uh, that was something. What were their odds? They were were they one of the teams with like fourteen percent or something? They were they were one of the teams with the highest percentage. Yes, fourteen uh, percent. Them and the them and the Hornets and the Pistons and but ever since they've changed the lottery odds, the way that they did. To where now, instead of the top three picks being done through the lottery, it's the top four. And they've taken it to where, you know, it used to be, if you had the worst record, you had a 25% chance of getting the first pick. And it went down from there. Now, they've made it to where all of the teams with the three worst records have the same highest odds of 14%. So it's kind of been made to disincentivize tanking a little bit. And boy, if you go off of the Pistons and the last few years, it's got to have worked at least a little bit because every year one of these top three teams gets absolutely screwed and <laughs> shot down to like the fifth or sixth pick. With the Pistons, I know that they had the worst record because Cade Cunningham missed most of the year. But still, to have the worst record in the NBA by, like, five games, too, and yeah. to get the fifth pick is rough. Yeah, I think we've uh, – and I get you You want to disincentivize the tanking, but I, I feel like we've almost gone a little too far the other way um, because, yeah, like, teams are going to tank um, on purpose. And what tanking really is is fielding – a bad roster. Uh, players don't throw games on purpose. Um, coaches can maybe influence some lineups. I mean, we saw that with the Mavs. Uh, they had a chance for a play-in, and they kind of sat some guys. It was a little suspicious. Coaches can influence it if they're in on it. Um, but at the end of the day, that team really sucks, right? Like, if your team is worth anything, you probably are not going to tank. Um, and you, you, you deserve, you deserve like at least top three pick. If you're, (laughs) if you're a team like that, like the Pistons, especially like even with Cade, like they were not very good, um, and probably would have still been a bottom three team in the league. And now they're sitting there with the fifth pick and it's like, well, I get everybody should be spending money to try and be better, but that's only going to get them so far. Like they could probably use, I'm not saying, you know, it's, it's, it's Victor or bust for them, but they could use a really solid player, which if you draft well, you can get at five, but they're not going to have like 
the the top of the top of that class. So, you know, things happen. Guys can fall. Um, you know, you see the players every once in a while who end up being the best in their draft but didn't necessarily go top one, two, or maybe even three. But, you know, we might have we might have kind of uh, gone the other way a little bit too aggressively here. Um, and, you know, the, the play-in is trying to mitigate it on the other end. But as you see, you know, I mentioned earlier, the Mavs kind of did what they did, realizing that, you know, the play-in might not be too worth it to them. Um, or at least that was their their idea in their head. Because, I mean, that team was Luka and a bunch of nothing. I mean, Kyrie got his numbers, but they didn't make the team much better. They almost got worse. So I don't know what we're going to do with this. I imagine this will be in place for a while. Um, but, yeah, it's it's rough if you're, if you're at the bottom and, like, you're legitimately stuck. You're not one of the teams that's just, like, trying and bad on accident. Right, yeah, I don't, I don't really disagree with you there. It, it, I mean, part of it is, I think, I don't know, maybe it, maybe it was the combination of them going from the top three picks to the top four picks, and the you know the change in odds, because now if you don't obviously the way it's always gone is you draw those first three or four picks. It's four picks now through the lottery. And then the rest of the picks just go by order, like a order of record. So if you had the worst record in the league, the worst you can get is the fifth pick. And that's exactly what happened to the Pistons. <laughs> so what they could do, I guess they could go back to the old odds where, you know, having the worst record gives you the worst, it gives you the best chance by far, or go back to the top three picks being through the lottery because, you know, that makes it to where, well, a team like the Pistons had 17 wins and the next closest was 22. Like the Spurs and the Hornets both had 22 wins. and Or not the Hornets, the uh, the Rockets. The Hornets had 27. And you could at least change it to where the Pistons don't get any lower than fourth. And then it go from there. Or you could see the way, because the way they did it now, it gives these teams in like the middle of the lottery better chances than before. And we've seen it like it happens almost every year. The team around like six, seven or eight hops up into that top four. This year it was the trailblazers hopping up uh, into the third pick now. So the trailblazers who had 33 wins this year have uh, picked two spots ahead of the Pistons who had 17 wins. Yeah. Like thirty three wins is, uh, it. I mean that's a that's a bad season, um. Just if you're gonna state it flatly, but <laughs> to get thirty three wins and the number three pick, like that's incredible. And I've seen reports they might be looking to trade it, um, maybe just to get a surefire. I mean, I don't know if it's gonna be a surefire established player or. Uh, just a big combination of, you know, good role players and maybe some picks. But because, you know, obviously number three is a great pick to have. And in basketball, you know, for the most part, guys in that top five range at least turn out to be decent. Um, They're not all as great as they're touted to be. But, um, you know, 
still not it's not a surefire bet. So they're looking to trade it. I'd be interested to see what type of haul they'd get for that. But um, you know, that's interesting on their part. They really lucked out with the lottery system. Uh I I will say, like, if the NBA wants to be this league out ahead of everybody, which, you know, they want to claim to be and progressive league and all that, that you know, again they claim to be, uh just do away with the draft entirely. Like do free agency. Yeah. Um, it will force teams to spend money. Um, on you know, because I mean, the the market will be the market. It's not like this guy's stuck at number one. Regardless, he's going to the Spurs. We're gonna you know cut down on how much he makes just because he's stuck at number one. There's gonna be bidding wars for these type of guys. Um, and when you do that, suddenly you force teams to to prove that they want to win, right? Like. Let's say we go into this offseason, there's no draft. Obviously, Wembenyama is going to be the number one guy, free agent, rookie. Um, you're going to see a bidding war, but I mean, between every team that possibly could fit him in the payroll, you would think, right? And then suddenly, if you want to compare it, you know, this is a little bit apples to oranges, but it's like the Lamar situation of, these teams coming out and saying, well, we don't want him. Well, if there would be a situation like that in the NBA where a team said, like the Pistons said, we're not going to, we're not going to try to offer uh Wembenyama anything. Then suddenly you're like, Oh, well, this is a tanking team. <laughs> then we can, then we can start to maybe punish people for certain things. But yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy. The, the climbing and falling you can do in this current system. I think it's, it's just a little too much for me. I mean, the fact that you can have the worst league, first worst record in the league, and be fifth, um, to me that doesn't that doesn't disincentivize tanking. That just kind of uh, eliminates a little parity at a certain point. Like they they really could they could have used that pick with or without their their other star rookie going to be in a second year. Um, I just don't. I'm not a fan of it. It's definitely hurt the Knicks time after time, even before this new system. I mean, the lottery before killed them. I mean, the, you know, the, the whole Zion year ended up with third instead of first. Like, it's... Yeah, and that was the same thing where the Grizzlies that year were uh, supposed to be, like, they had, like, the eighth worst record, and they hopped up to number two, and that's how they got John Morant, which we'll get to him. Yeah, um... yeah. <laughs> yeah, and even, like, like the Pelicans that year, right? I mean, they weren't, they weren't, you know, far and away the worst team in the league. Like they weren't, you wouldn't even no. think of them that year as being that. I mean, yeah, they were. I think bad. they also were the ones that jumped up. That was what they. That was their last season with Anthony Davis. They hadn't yet traded him, if I remember correctly. Uh, I believe, yeah, that was that the season they they traded him. Like that, they traded him. I, like that I think, if I remember correctly, at the time there was talk of like, well, do you just keep Anthony Davis now? Be uh, but I think it was during that off season that they ended up getting rid of him, or like in the middle of that next season, whichever it was. Like I don't think he played another, uh, you know, game for them. But that's how it ended up. Gotcha. But I mean, they you know they got some good players for him, and um, that's been good for them when Zion's healthy. But again, uh, yeah, that <laughs> we we can use that to transition. I mean that that well, I, top I three is, points, is a lot, but you know. So, when it comes to the Trailblazers at number three, um, we saw this, what, a couple years ago when the Warriors had the second pick. 
or is a team that, you know, you know, in the Warriors case, it was because Steph Curry missed most of the season. They, they should have traded it. <laughs> they definitely should have traded it. <laughs> See, so the, thing, the thing was that, that that was the talk was that they wanted to or they were going to. They decided not to. I think what ended up happening was was that the day before the draft, if I remember correctly, Clay tore his ACL or his Achilles, whichever one he did like in an offseason. Um, I think it was his Achilles where he had already torn his ACL. Uh, yeah, I mean, he missed what? He missed like two years, basically. He did. So I think they, they maybe were going to trade it, and then they decided, well, oh, God, well, what do we do? We don't have play anymore. Uh, maybe we just need to pick a good player. Um, but they didn't do that. They didn't do either. <laughs> they, they picked James Wiseman instead. But I think the thing is there, it's like, well, you might want to trade this pick, but uh, what's going to be the market for that pick? Uh, is anyone actually going to want to go up there to number three? to be able to get, you know, Brandon Miller or Scoot Henderson, whichever one the Hornets don't pick. And, you know, or would you rather just pick one of those guys yourself and maybe you package together, you know, I don't know, maybe because you're picking a guard perhaps that you trade Anthony Simons for something, or maybe you just run it with all all three of them, just all three of those kind of guard play, uh, pieces. Uh, but who's – I don't remember the last time a pick that – far up in the draft was traded just strictly like four players or like a, tr- a big trade up or something like that. Obviously we saw the Sixers go from one to three uh, or three to one, I should say in the Markel Fultz draft, which say, hey, Hey, there's another team we'll get to. <laughs> um, but I don't know. That's an interesting, uh, like who's actually going to want to come up for that pick and for what, like trading, what, like what actually can you get for the third pick in the draft? Even in a draft where, you know, there should be someone that is pretty well covered, uh, it'll be interesting to see. Right. And having then, having yeah. that having having Wemby up at the top, like obviously this is a a you know, hypothetical, but it's like take him out of the draft and suddenly, you know, the number two guy becomes the number three and like you can push everybody yeah. down just because there's this one generational guy. Yeah, that, and the other thing what you mentioned with about uh, the abolishing the draft, basically, which I we're both in favor of here, but uh, I think that's a good idea. What fascinates me about that is that I think something that's interesting to me is that the draft in any sport, like NFL or NBA, is when you think about it, it's actually it's very it's a very socialist concept to have the draft because it's you're you're giving the most to the people with the less with the least the team the worst teams getting the highest picks and whereas abolishing the draft would be a very very capitalist concept of like an open market and you know getting your value and it's all just about you know whoever whatever business moves can be made but at the same time you would probably get people on opposite sides of the argument compared to what you would normally think like i don't i i imagine that people with you know very capitalistic uh views and values would actually be more likely to say well why would you get rid of the draft (laughs) uh and maybe that's because it's also in the situation it's a very pro worker to abolish the draft and uh let them get their free value their most value and freedom out on the out on the market so I don't know. I just find that interesting. 
Yeah, I think um, if you were to do that, there would have to be a lot more that comes with it. Like baseball, for example, you could not – and baseball works a little differently because of the way the players come up and get developed. But uh, you, you just could not uh, abolish the draft in baseball in its current state. No. There needs to be and, – and even in basketball, there needs to be in a sport, if you were to get rid of the draft – there needs to be a hard salary floor and cap that like there and, and maybe even more rules beyond that in terms of salary and which players make what, because if there are teams that just kind of want to maximize their profit and know that they can feel the losing team and still make money, they're absolutely going to do that. And they will not even be forced to take a good player with a high draft pick like they would be in a normal system because that's the thing with the draft is, you know, if you look at a team and I'm trying to think of a good example of it, uh, let's just say like the Tampa Bay Rays, for example, don't spend money ever. They draft guys and they, they draft well and they develop and then they trade them away just before they have to pay them. And they do it over and over with success. If you took the draft away and they had to bid on the best rookies, that team would would win like 50 games <laughs> every year. They'd yeah. lose 110 games every year because they would just run the business to the best of their abilities so the executives made the most money. It's and if they lucked into winning, they you know, they'd be happy about it and up the value of the franchise, but that's the only issue is like you, you would have to force them some of these teams to spend money on either rookies or just, just anybody because they're going to find a way to manipulate it to, to save themselves money. And that's, and that's the, that's the way a lot of these franchises work. I mean, if, if you really took a look at rosters and salaries and, and all that, you'd, you'd find so many franchises in every pro sport that, is built simply because they're good at drafting and it maximizes profit because rookie deals are cheaper than paying veterans that are good. Yeah. It would almost probably have to be at least at the very first thing in in the NBA or even NFL be introduced in a way that's like the worst teams get the most money to play with in like a rookie, you know, a rookie, you know, almost like a, a separate set of money. Uh, put aside like this is your money for your your rookies that you get to play like let's say the pistons get you know 20 million dollars uh you know in terms of like annual money to give to a guy whereas you know the the nuggets get five million uh sort of thing and it's like all right well some guys are just going to take that extra money go play for a worse for worse teams they'll do it and then also you know they'll go for bigger roles like a guy like you know scoot henderson you say well all the best teams are going to get the most you know all the all the best teams are just going to you know add talent and well you know that, that'll happen here and there but there'll also be guys like like a scoot henderson will be like well i don't want to i don't want to play with you know donovan mitchell and darius garland i want to be a top guy i want to be like the lead ball handler on my team so he'll take and get more money to do it so he might 
go to a team like, you know, maybe not a Charlotte or a Portland where there's already a ball handler, but, you know, someone like that, you know, someone up towards the top of the draft, the Houston's and, you know, Utah and teams like that. So it, it would just kind of depend. Like, it would, have, it would sort itself out eventually. Yeah, there'd probably be more talent go to the best teams than would normally. But, I mean, the best teams end up drafting well anyway. That's why they stay the best teams. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's a good point to have its own kind of, uh, like, salary. Not even a salary cap. It's it's kind of the way that that MLB teams have a certain amount of money and, and positions yes. for, like, international slots. It'd be the same same deal with that. And, you know, there could be different strategies to it of do we want to sign – the one really good guy or do we want to sign three players who you know we've scouted and found a lot of value in in all three and they'll contribute in certain ways so i think it add an extra layer to it yeah um, it obviously it would it it would change the way that that trades are made in the nba if they were to do something like that because oh, yeah. suddenly you can't trade picks maybe you can trade you know just money cash draft yeah. cash if they want to call it that sure. um That'd be that'd be interesting as a hypothetical, and I don't know how far off we are from something like that. Um, I know there's there's more and more talk these days of of draft. Uh, we'll call them draft dodgers um, <laughs> in sports, <laughs> but uh, that that's a that's a that's a long ways off. But I think probably in our lifetime we'll see at least in one of these pro sports, the draft not be a thing. Just my guess. And it'll have to be something kind of instituted like that. Yeah, it would probably end up being collectively bargained eventually. I think we're probably a long way from it, considering it's just now kind of popping up. Uh, But I think the interesting thing is that if if the draft were abolished and replaced with something like this, I think Victor Wembanyama would have just still ended up on the Spurs. Because... (laughs) That seems to be where he wanted to go, and that's where it got. And we can kind of get into just that at the top because that was the whole story of the lottery. Was was Victor Wembanyama is I just going off of sheer hype, the best prospect since LeBron James. Like I don't think that's unreasonable to say at all. I, I think it's honestly incorrect to say anything otherwise because the the other the other competition is essentially Zion and Anthony Davis. And as hyped up as those guys were, it was this is a different level. Like this is like these teams wanted this they're like drooling in this lottery for this guy who's seven foot five and about an eight foot wingspan who can play off the dribble and like sh- shoot a little bit. But his his main thing is gonna be just like insane defense right off the bat. Like a a more fluid, quicker Rudy Gobert on defense who can he also dribble dunks, and shoot. You know. He dunks with more ease than anyone I've seen in my entire life. He it's kind he, of, yeah. He kind of just does a little like cute little hop and then the, he lays the ball in. Like he if he would be the worst ever slam dunk contest contestant because he dunks with such ease. Like there's no difficult dunk. Like he just runs and jumps and like, doesn't put much effort. He just puts his arms up. My thing with, with him is 
I really just want to see him in an NBA game to see what it looks like. Because I don't know that we've really had anything like him ever. Uh, like, at least with, with Zion, yeah, he was a freak athlete. And, you know, we know what all he can do when he's healthy. But it's not necessarily anything we haven't seen. It's maybe stuff we've seen, but maybe with a little added athleticism at that size. Versus with Wemby, it's like, oh, like, this dude is this tall and can do all these things at a high level. Like, I, I just don't think, I mean, the closest, maybe he's like a Durant type where he's he's that lanky, great shooter. But this is going to be, it's definitely going to be different. So I'm I'm just excited to see him on a court. Right, just incredibly unique. Like, it's, I think the most reasonable thing to expect from him is, like, it's it's wild to say that this is the most reasonable thing to expect, but Rudy Gobert-level defense. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then, like, he's got, it's one little thing where it's, like, he's so big and tall and lanky while also being able to dribble the ball a little bit in a way that Giannis can, and he can shoot threes with that lanky frame in a sense that like KD can not not to the same extent like not that good of a shooter but just like you said we don't really it's hard to fit him into a box in in terms of what he can do and what he will do it's one of these it's like what is he it's almost like a like is he going to be like be able to do some of what Jokic does where he's kind of running the offense while being the pick and roll like ball handler and screener that can pop out and shoot and i i want to see him with like a real point guard which the spurs don't really have yet but they have they at least have like keldon johnson who's like a a real solid wing player and devin vassell so and then coach popovich for at least a year before he retires um so i I don't know it's gonna be so weird i think the thing with him is just how far the hype goes already and what is to be expected. Like Chris Broussard, <laughs> did you hear what he said? <laughs> it's such a good quote. Where he said, "What if he's only KD or Anthony Davis or Hakeem, Hakeem Olajuwon, it's a failure? <laughs> In what planet? It's amazing. Being if you're only Kevin Durant or only Hakeem Olajuwon, that's a failure. That's not meeting expectations. Are you kidding me? Yeah, I don't really. I could if he had found, he could have found some really really good to maybe great players to do that with. And it's like, yeah, I guess you know if you really think about the hype and uh, all his his skills, then yeah, but. He picks some really great players that's just like it's it, it almost looks like satire when you see it or hear it because like Kevin like Kevin Durant is you can you can make an argument he's the greatest scorer of all time. I don't I don't think he is the greatest, but he's he's top three probably in scoring ever. Like just yeah. I mean, to be able to rise up, I mean that, that mid range shot of his is is quite literally unguardable. Uh, the only guy who might be able to guard it is is Victor Wembanyama <laughs> because <laughs> right. he's so tall to be able to get up there. 
um, yeah, we gotta we gotta calm down with that because, you know, it's I mean it's just absurd. But I don't know. We have to explain the, the quote too much. I mean it's it's just laughable. Um, yeah, but there was there was also I've seen people on Twitter today, probably people that were like younger than us, you know, people born in like two thousand five or, or you know maybe even something like that, where these people are like, man, did LeBron get this much hype coming out of coming out of uh, into the draft? And it's like, buddy, <laughs> yes, <laughs> buddy, did he ever? That's the amazing. I think the thing that it's hard for, I, I said this today in one of our chats, but I, I bring it up here and it can you know help us transition into the playoffs is it's hard for people our age. You know, we were born in 1998. So we were five years old when LeBron was drafted. He, we were, you know, four years old when he was going through his last year of high school. It's hard for us to comprehend that essentially at 16 or 17 years old, LeBron was picked out as the next Michael Jordan. And then LeBron got to the NBA and he was the next Michael Jordan. And it's, that is ridiculous for like to actually live up to the hype. I said, this guy who is in high school right now might be the greatest player of all time or like the, like the next best player of all time, other than Michael Jordan for people to say that about you at 16 or 17. And then you go out and that's exactly what you end up being. To the to the point where you are now the all time leading scorer in NBA history, more than more than Jordan, more than Kareem, and you know win four MVPs and win four rings. It's insane. And you're in the uh, you're in the the Western Conference Finals at the same time. The next like appointed guy is coming up, like twenty years later. Like he's still. If LeBron yeah, when, when, when Le- when, slowly uh, declines, right? Yeah, he still should have like three or four good years left. Right, that's the thing. Like, usable, yeah. Michael Jordan had already retired technically twice uh, by the time LeBron had gotten into the league, and that second time around, he spent what two seasons with the Wizards. So that Jordan's last year in the NBA was the last year that the NBA did not include LeBron James. Let me go back to Michael Jordan, his stats for like his last year in the NBA. It was in 2000, it was 2002, 2003 season. He averaged 20 points a game and six rebounds. (laughs) So it's like, yeah, people make fun of it. People make fun of Jordan on the wizards. Like the, when, when someone's washed on a team, like let's say, you know, like Aaron Rodgers signs with the jets and then somebody will quote tweet it. It's a picture of Michael Jordan in a Wizards jersey. Yeah, it's like he was he was a lesser version of Michael Jordan, but he was still one of the you know one of the better players. Right, <laughs> uh, it's just at like least the, on that team. Yeah. I mean, he was one of the best on that team, and yeah. still like a very solid player in the league. Um, he played he, eight, he played all eighty two games, by the way, <laughs> which I did not realize until looking at this right now. How old was he that season? So that was o two o three. He would have been forty when that season was over. Man. So, so yeah, I mean, you figure, and and really, what hurts Jordan is his years off. Yeah. Because uh, I mean, LeBron is, you would think, 
at age 40 is is going to be capable of, of putting up 20 points a game. Right. That's really the reason that LeBron and, and the reason Jordan was not the all-time leading scorer in general is that Jordan retired at, you know, in 1993, missed the entire 93-94 season, and then came back in the 94-95 season, but only played 17 games. Now, he averaged 27 points a game in those 17 games uh, because he's Michael Jordan. But just mean, if he had played those seasons, and then also perhaps you could say, like, if he didn't retire in 98 and come back, uh, if he had played all the way through 2003 without retiring again, that's another... You know, the 98, 99, and 2000 seasons that he could have played. Yeah, he was uh he was a, he was a pretty good player, huh, Michael Jordan. That's what I've heard. Yeah. <laughs> I've I've literally only been told. I mean, I've you no. know, you can watch highlights, but you know. No, the, the first NBA game I ever owned was NBA Live 2002, and it's a weird one to go back to because I remember I always used to play with the Lakers cuz they had Kobe and Shaq and I really enjoyed doing that, playing with them. But I, the other team I would always play with was the Wizards because they had Michael Jordan, and it was it was fun to play with them. And also, Hakeem Olajuwon was a Raptor. People forget about that for a year at the end of his career. <laughs> um, but it is funny the way the eras cross over because so many guys had such longevity. Like they're playing. I mean, if you're playing when you're forty, you're probably a good decade past your prime. For some guys, it's maybe like 12 years past the prime. And so when you think of like, oh, so-and-so put up these stats in, you know, 1980, whatever, you go, okay, you know, that was a good player back in the 80s. And then they played till they're 40, and suddenly it's like, oh, they played in 2002. Uh, it's it's funny to look at. There's like that um, in, in baseball, you see a lot of that just because the nature of the game, guys – they can stay healthy, can play longer. Um, basketball's a little bit of the same way. But, yeah, it's funny to see that. Tom Brady's, like, the only great example of that in the NFL because he played for so damn long. But yeah. um, I think we were doing that uh, when he retired where we went back, and it was – I think I looked up the oldest player in the league when Tom Brady was in his rookie year. And you can connect his career to somebody who was born in like 1950 or something stupid like that, or like <laughs> right. 1959. I think it's uh, it's like stuff like that. When when the eras connect, I mean, look at LeBron now and think of our era, and think of how far removed we are from Michael Jordan. And I know a lot of people think, okay, yeah, like 1998, you know, the end of that that whole era, but. In reality, for what when his career really ended, there's no there's no bridge. <laughs> it's just no. straight into it. And LeBron is still out here doing it, you know, in 4K. Right. <laughs> Before we get into the uh, the like the Lakers and the conference finals and you know John Morant as well, uh, I, I'm wondering what is what is the worst that Victor Wanyama could be as a player and not be considered like a disappointment because it's, it would have to be a pretty high level of player because I think right now as it stands the hype around Wemby is essentially like 
he's going to come into the league and he's going to be a top 10 player and like as high as like a top five player. Like in my mind, I'm thinking like the expectation for him is Giannis. Yeah. Yeah. That's probably fair. Or maybe some like some, um, let's say you take Jokic. Obviously you, and you make him a little thinner. Um, maybe Jokic, you take away a little bit of the passing ability, but then you add in some like Brandon Ingram, <laughs> and that's the player, yeah. <laughs> like, right? Yeah, um, I think, that's, and that's still really, really good. See, that's the thing. Like, if he were as good as Brandon Ingram currently is, would that be a disappointment? Because yes. I think it, yeah, right, hundred <laughs> percent. He needs to be, he he needs to be rookie of the year. He needs yeah. to be an MVP candidate, top three in MVP voting by his third year, or it's a yeah. disappointment. And I don't know what, yeah. what it looks like when you put him on the Spurs, how many wins that gets you. I don't know what that's going to be, because I just haven't seen the guy on the NBA in an NBA court. But in terms of personal accomplishments, and you know, in basketball, you can win those accomplishments on bad teams. MVP is a little harder, but certainly he can win rookie of the year and um i don't know how unless he it truly is a bust which would just be wild uh, and i don't foresee it but if he comes into the league he's going to be day one rookie of the year favorite and if he is just solid he'll win it and so then from I there think, like he has to he has to be great every year yeah i think i think i've got it i think th- they're obviously very different players um but i think the lowest, the lowest sort of level of player that he could be, and not be labeled a disappointment, it's probably Damian Lillard, Damn. or like Paul George. I think those are the two names that are popping out to me. Like looking up, up and down every team. That's I, probably that's fair. Um, like if if that's if that's the level he was on, like those guys make all NBA teams, but not every year, and like. They're like fringe top ten players in the league, basically. That's kind of how I go go about it. Like the the, the difference with Wembenyama is that his defense is going to like kind of shoot him up, shoot him up, you know, a good bit without considering, you know, if he's putting up twenty points a game or whatnot. Yeah, and I mean, Damian Lillard is one of the greatest three point shooters we've ever seen. At least in terms of the the range he has, uh, so I mean that alone is already a crazy comparison to try to name some guy a failure. Maybe Paul George, like you know, Paul George got that one year where he was third in MVP. Uh, other other times he's kind of just been you know, uh, you know, with the Pacers he was still kind of getting better every year. Now with the Clippers he's kind of this number two guy, but he's a great number two. He's the second best player in your team, and that 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 team's a title contender every year. Yeah, or at least they're supposed think, to be. I think that's fair. Um, Paul George has had the the longevity as well at this point. You could give him that. I know there's some injuries here and there. He obviously had the freak, you know, leg injury the one year, right? Um, and now he's kind of, I guess he's just cursed by the Clippers now. But yeah, I mean, he's really solid. Came up on those Pacers teams um, as you know one of their one of their guys. Uh, known really as much for his defense early on as his, as his scoring. Because, I mean, that, that Pacers team was 
was all defense. And now is, I mean, still, when healthy, a really, really good, like, valuable, reliable guy. So, yeah. And <laughs> and that's the failure for, for, for Victor. So, good luck. Yeah. So... But I think it's it's like he's going to be expected to be a, you know, Nikola Jokic level player. Yeah. And boy, that's going to be hard to live up to because transition into the Western Conference Finals. Game two is tonight. Nuggets are up one game uh, after they kind of for about a half blew the doors off the Lakers. And then the Lakers started to figure things out to make things close. I think this is going to be a very interesting series now, but Jokic put up a 30, 20 and 10 game (laughs) on the Lakers and Anthony Davis, or you could say on Rui Hachimura, which was the matchup eventually that kind of slowed him down. Yeah. Um, That, um, I mean, the, the whole team offense for the Nuggets was incredible, obviously aided by Jokic being what a lot of people think should have been the MVP again this year. So that's, I'm not going to argue too much with that. that Boy, if they, if the MVP voting had not been done yet, he would have won it. Yeah. After Joel Joel Embiid went out. Extra couple playoff series. Yeah. I mean, cause that, that weighs heavily when you really get down to like trying, needing to play your greatest against the other greatest players in the league. But uh, my thing is, is I, I agree with you it's going to be an interesting series because as great as that performance was offensively and Jokic was you know just an all-time performance the Lakers still made a game of it late and the Nuggets defense was they didn't have a whole lot and that's the knock on that's the knock on, on Jokic it's like the one thing is you know he can get a little lackadaisical on defense at times, but obviously that's not on him. This game, I mean, the whole team needs yeah. to step it up defensively. I mean, it was like what one thirty-one to one twenty-four. Yeah, at the end of that game, I think more so it was they were hunting Jamal Murray in the pick and roll and getting those switches onto you know Austin Reeves and or Lonnie Walker or LeBron or Schroeder who whoever, and Jokic had for the most part. You know, as of like a couple years ago, it was like a constant thing of like Jokic can't play defense. But as as he reached that MVP level in his MVP seasons, he became like a serviceable defender, and the rest of the Nuggets around him did enough. Yeah, but now it's it's gonna doubt. be a, it's gonna be a thing. It's like, is this gonna be elite? Can you get by with this elite offense and serviceable defense, or is it gonna be the Lakers with elite defense and you know spurts of offense? Yeah, I don't, and I don't doubt that he he can defend. I think it's just that he understands his value on the offensive end, which is league MVP level, and on the defensive end, he's going to get in front of guys and he's going to use his size the best he can. But he's not never going to worry about picking up a cheap foul. He's not going to worry about getting hurt. Um, and and that's going to be that, really. Um, he's not going to take a charge. Like He's yeah, that's... just going to get down there and be a big body. Because, I mean, his size alone, if he gets the right matchup, is just going to be enough as long as he moves his feet a little bit. Yeah, not um, unlike Lake, this Lakers era of LeBron on defense. 
Yeah. And LeBron's an old man, as we've noted. So <laughs> right. <laughs> so yeah, I don't I don't know what to expect. I would probably guess the Nuggets win tonight in in a pretty competitive game. But you get out of Denver, you get back to Los Angeles, you get home. Um I I don't know. The Lakers have just and you really have to think of the Lakers in a vacuum a little bit because if you look at the Lakers season as a whole and you look at their seed in these playoffs yeah it's going to be really easy to look at them as an underdog who should have no shot because i mean the nuggets have really i mean definitely proven me wrong in these playoffs and just handled business but the lakers since the trade deadline have been one of the best teams in the nba and when you look at it like that and you look at the fact that they've made it to the conference finals in i'd say fairly convincing fashion um, I, it's not a fluke that they're here. They they handled both series. Um, it's yeah, just a, it's know. a completely different team than they had the first half of the season. Like getting rid of Russell Westbrook, essentially replacing that role with D'Angelo Russell. The emergence of Austin Reeves as the season's gone on, trading for Rui Hachimura, uh, getting in Jared Vanderbilt. It's it's just kind of they've completely reworked what they do they only they're only really running like three guys off the bench it's really like it's like Rui and Lonnie and um Schroeder or you know whichever Vanderbilt whichever one they decide not to not to start but it's it's kind of also been like as the season's going on Anthony Davis has kicked back into gear from like what we saw in the bubble and now Anthony Davis is the best player on this team I think he that's played. the wild card. That's the and that's he what it's going to have to take for them he to could get win. hurt at any time. And we've seen, I mean, it happens at least once a game where, you know, a guy comes down, you know, brings his his arm down on him, a hard foul, on his shoulder or something, and he's sitting on the floor for a good minute and a half, and you just wonder, oh, is here we go again? Here's Anthony Davis is going to be out for the next three games, and it happens every game. And you just kind of sit and wait for it to be the real injury where he actually has to sit out. And at that right. point, they have they have they have zero shot. They won't win a single game without Anthony Davis. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's, that, that's that a wild card in itself. And he's been he's been a little bit inconsistent in these playoffs. On top of it, he can't string together great game after great game. It's like, well, here's a great game, and then all right, well, tonight he was, you know. He's still one of our best players, but it's just not enough when I, we're I running wonder, eight guys. Yeah, I wonder if it's the it's the defense to a to a certain to a certain extent because the defense has been there every game. He's playing like out best defender in the world levels of defense pretty much every game. But then it, it, you're right about the inconsistencies there when it comes to the offense and the scoring. And, you know, I wonder if it's like he's going so hard on defense that sometimes it's just like the offense, it's he's a little too tired out. And I mean, it, they're going to he's going to have to be the best player on this team. Uh, and that's the thing, like he for them to win, and this, that's, because that's that's the, essentially the little bit of decline. We are. I think this is the first season that we've seen like real decline out of LeBron, but he still puts up like 25 points a game, seven rebounds, seven assists. It's yeah, just he like, needs to not shoot is the thing. Just stop shooting. Yeah, so, like, you can't let have this team carried by LeBron anymore. He's just 
not quite on that level anymore. That he he can he needs to be the number two. He needs Anthony Davis to wreck this series. I think if they get if they let's say they get to the finals and they play the Heat again, I, I'm I'm picking the Lakers. Um, if they play the Celtics, uh, I don't know. That'd be interesting. Tell ask me again after the series would happen after the Eastern Conference Finals. Yeah, I think the Celtics would probably have a little too much shooting for them is yeah. my guess. Um, and then suddenly Anthony Davis isn't quite as big a factor on defense, but that's, <laughs> I don't want to get ahead of ourselves too quick. But... Right. Yeah. I, I still, I think I wouldn't be surprised. I, I, I kind of, I kind of think the Lakers might win tonight um, because unless the Nuggets make some sort of adjustment, uh, it sounds like the Lakers might start Rui Hachimura um, who had a great offensive game in game one and then they had him guard Jokic a lot in that second half and it allowed Anthony Davis to uh, play help defense on Jokic essentially to where like AD could kind of roam around double Jokic and also like Anthony Davis is such a freak that he can also he can double Jokic while not completely giving up you know Jokic's genius level passing AD's so big and smart and instinctual on defense, he can get in the way of the passing lanes also and cause turnovers like he did a lot at the end of game one. So it would be, see, I think they're going to try to run that pretty much the whole game where they kind of just let Vanderbilt or Hachimura guard Jokic and have AD roam around and try to disrupt things as like the, more of a free safety help defender. And I, I think that's where the value is at also. It's not necessarily. Yeah that they're slowing down Jokic and, and really did a decent job, but I don't think you can rely on that for the full series. I think where the value is that the defensive minutes aren't quite as intensive for AD because you need to go score for score with that team. You're not going to just stop Jokic. Like you're not going to, you're not going to stop that team from scoring as great as Anthony Davis and that defense can be. You need to put up points with them. And your best player is Anthony Davis. He can't be coming back down on the offensive end, exhausted, unable mm-hmm. to post up anybody. Yeah. So uh, I'm with you there. I think also, like, Jamal Murray had a great game one. Um, maybe he comes back down to earth a little bit. Although, like, the, the Lakers' guard defense is just not very good. Uh, they don't really have that premier guy to throw out there. Like, they can throw Vanderbilt out there. But then that's like, you know, he can't shoot. That throws off your spacing on offense. And if you have him out there guarding Murray, you know, that's when you start to get, well, AD is going to have to guard Jokic and probably in those matchups with that line, with that, with the lineup of both of them out there. So that kind of throws off what was working for them in game one. So it's, it's a tough matchup. I think the Nuggets still eventually win the series. Uh, six or seven games. I'm tempted to say seven at this point because I just think the Lakers – We'll figure out enough ways to win a road game, if nothing else. Um, and then maybe, you know, at least get themselves to a game seven. But then it's Jokic is just an insane playoff performer. Like he's just, he gets better in the playoffs. <laughs> it's pretty crazy because in, in the regular season, he's kind of unreal. 
So right, he just he just had three straight on. seasons of either MVP or runner up. And what aids him is that he can do so much. You can't really you can't just pick and choose what you want to defend. It, like yeah. he's just good at all. It's that's the thing with Giannis. We've seen in a lot of these playoffs is you know what is it every year? It's like we'll just kind of build the wall on him and transition and. You you take him out of the game to an extent. He might draw some fouls, but yep. like he's not the normal Giannis. Jokic, what are you gonna do? Like he he does everything, and it's kind of you can't defend it. He's just gonna make great passes. You could put you could put all five guys around him, just form a circle with your arms up. He's gonna make some crazy pass out of it, and so yeah, it's you just can't defend it. And then suddenly you're worried about his passing. You can't. You can't really double the guy. You kind of do have to do the thing with AD. You kind of float near him. And with AD, he's, he's long and dynamic enough. He he can kind of play that in-between, which helps them. But most teams and most players can't really afford to do any of that in-between stuff. It's like right. you better hope you have somebody who can handle his size and his strength and then, uh, you know, break down some passing lanes because that's, that's your only hope. And even then... I mean, your best hope against him is maybe he puts up, you know, 20, 10, and 10. <laughs> like, that's a bad game for him at this point, so. Yeah, yeah that's that's the thing there. Uh, it's just, it's tough to bet against the Nuggets right now. They It's world-beater stuff. And it's you're betting against LeBron when you do it, which is crazy. Yeah, um, they, they, need, they need AD to do his thing. It's basically AD, we need 30. LeBron, we need 20. Like, Austin Reeves or somebody give us a, a, a strong, efficient 17, and then everybody else not be useless is kind yeah, of what it is. Pretty much. Like, they need the third. They need that every night. They they need one third guy. And it's, it's for the most of the playoffs, it's been Austin Reeves, but it could be anybody. As long as the rest aren't going, you know, you don't, you can't afford to have any of these, you know, one of seven nights from anybody when you're playing eight guys. Right. And that's kind of all the nuggets have needed too. And, but they've gotten, they have a lot more of those third guys that feel reliable on offense and yeah. that have been reliable, like KCP, Michael Porter, Jr., Aaron Gordon, Bruce Brown. Like one of those guys goes off for like, you know, 15 to two of those guys combined for 30 points. And it's going to be hard to lose that game when Jokic is probably dropping 30 and Jamal Murray's probably dropping 25. It's kind of the same deal. Yeah, it's tough. It's tough. I guess I think tonight uh, I'll hold my my pick for after tonight. I know that's cheating two games into a series, but <laughs> I really just can't. The first game, I just can't get a beat on what the rest of it's going to look like. It so, was really only that second half where it's like, OK, the Lakers kind of figured out how they want to play this. Yeah, and that's tough. I mean, we have one half sample size for each team of what they can do with our best that's that's tough for me so right i'm gonna reserve judgment for now i think i I, i'm just gonna say you know nuggets win the series six or seven games um and even if the if the lakers win tonight i might still stick with that or even if the nuggets win tonight i might still stick with with you know them in in six but right yeah hard to get a beat on yeah, that's kind of how I was. I, I just said I think the Lakers, I think the Lakers win tonight, but Nuggets in seven. Like that's that's kind of how that's the the vibe I'm getting. I can see Lake, yeah, I can see Lakers winning every home game. They they get a chance to play for sure, right? Um, so on the other side, Eastern Conference Finals, 
Uh, the Celtics are able to get past the Sixers, and now they play the Heat. Now the Heat, after one game, are up. They went into Boston. And they took game one. A Another, you know, Jason Tatum ends up with 30 points, but if you watch the fourth quarter, whoa, boy. <laughs> um, and he's, that's after coming off of, you know, one of the best, the high, literally the highest score in game seven of all time, 51 points against the Sixers. And Joel Embiid and James Harden putting up absolute stinkers that end up with Doc Rivers now being fired. <laughs> it's funny, funny, two months ago, we did an episode about John Morant and the Sixers uh, and the failure of the process. And so you can go back and listen to that to kind of know our take on both. We'll, we'll address Morant at some point uh, here at the end, but it's just been Embiid and that's about it. And they turned some stuff into Harden and, but pathetic for MVP and for two former MVPs to put up the performances they did in a game seven in the second round. And once again, not able to get to the conference finals. Yeah. It's just, I mean, this, this feels like the third or fourth time the process has failed. Um, and, you know, at this point you can probably just throw out the process as a whole. Cause you know, <laughs> all those guys are gone. Like it's, it's Embiid. It's his team. Uh, it's, there's no coach that can claim that team because they're about to get another one. And James Harden kind of did what he does in the playoffs that we expect. He just isn't as good. He had one or two good games. Thought he might turn it around because he has Embiid and different dynamic, but he reverted back to his old ways and he's not going to get any better as a player. I mean, he's peaked. Uh, so I don't, I don't know what they do from here. It's, it's just a rough situation. I, I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, get, get I don't a, know the a good, co- a good coach will help. Like Doc, clearly, yeah. is you know, a very overrated coach. He's a big name, but gets to the playoffs and he can't win a closeout game or a game seven to save his life. Yeah, and so. From that perspective, you think, all right, well, if we get a good coach in here and can manage to keep James Harden around, then maybe it'll look a little different. But who knows if James Harden's even going to stay at this point? I feel like the fact that they got rid of Rivers is basically the only hope. Uh, But it sounds like Houston, he might go back to the Rockets, which is wild. Disgusting. Yeah, it's, you know what? You know that's what? that is. I, I forget who. I think it might have been Tim McMahon on the low post that was basically like, if he goes back to Houston, that's him admitting that he's like, I'm cool with this being my legacy. That like, I just, I, you know, I don't, I don't win. I just, I just, I'm here to make some money and have fun and score a lot of points. You know what makes that worse is that his best years were in Houston, and suddenly he puts on that uniform again, but he's a much worse version. And when you're comparing, when you just, when he's in the uniform, your brain's automatically going to think of him as prime James Harden. And it's, it's not going to be that. And it's going to look so much worse than it really is. Yeah. So I don't like that move, but he probably sells a house down there and uh, is just going to go out, live out his days. And he'll be the guy on that team, probably. Like, yeah. I know they got some, a couple good young players, but it's like, he'll be the primary ball handler, at least for. First year, so right. So. There's the whispers that they might that they could look into trading Jalen Green, which I don't know why you would do that. Oh, brother. Um, that's why they're that's why the Rockets suck. Exactly. They got the fourth. Uh, luckily, they did not get the first pick in the lottery, even though they that they had 
the equal shot at the first pick that the Spurs did. Uh, that would have been, oh, oh God. But yeah, I I don't know how you fix the Sixers other than like get get a really good coach in there that can figure something out because there's no really roster move that you can make. Like if you let's say you sign and trade James Harden in free agency for what? Like I think the like maybe like Phoenix is like a dark horse option, but I think how that would go would be like you sign and trade James Harden for Chris Paul. That makes you worse, if anything. Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, James yeah, Harden like maybe, was still like, good. Maybe you, like the only I think like I, I think some, there could be like you trade Tobias Harris for Chris Paul. It's like Tobias Harris is probably the only way that the, you can like really like rework this team in any way you know, by trading him and still keeping things together. Like you kind of need James Harden, <laughs> even though we're already crapping all over him. Like, no, I mean, that's the situation they're in, though. He I, I don't I don't want to say I'm crapping all over him. I, he is he's always been a lesser version of himself in the playoffs. Yep. Um, even in his prime, and it's just a fact he he's out of his prime. Yep. So you can, and it's it's just not a knock on the guy. Like that's that's just what he is. And so that being said, they they still kind of need him because he's gonna still get them to the playoffs. Um, and him and Embiid worked really well this year, but when you get in the playoffs. And maybe this is where the the coach comes in and does something creative with them. You you have to find a way to make that succeed. And and I don't know what it is, and it's going to be difficult. But it's like you're not gonna. I I don't think you can replace James Harden and replicate the overall success of the team. Like because there, there's times where you can you can replace somebody with a worse player. And because that player is a, a better fit, the team succeeds. But I don't think this is it. Like, Embiid and Harden worked well together. They ran a good two-man. Like, the pick-and-roll was unstoppable all year. And suddenly, when it's the playoffs and you're facing a team night after night after night, then they can adjust to it because it's they have seven games to do so. Um, you combine that with some shooting woes, then they can really defend you a lot better. And... You know, you're out of the playoffs and still it's seven games against a really good Boston team. But I mean, I mean, that they had that series, they, they should have won it. So I, I don't envy anybody in that front office who now has to hire a new coach and make some really tough roster decisions. Yeah. Uh, I think, you know, figure out the roster like Tobias Harris try to turn him into like two or three pieces. They're not going to be great pieces, but like try it. I don't know. Literally give anybody like, just fill the roster with anyone who can give and beat space. Yeah. Like just get any, like (laughs) if, if someone's just a league average three point shooter, like, and you have to go out there and guard them. That's worth something. Um, but it's like outside of that, it's like, what are you going to do? This was supposed to be the Sixer team that finally did it. 
at least got to the you know the conference finals and maybe the finals and once this couldn't work it's like wh- where do you go where like Embiid won the MVP he did it what it was his best season what are you gonna do like what you can't I, I don't think you can blow it up you can't do that no but that's you know not my decision so I'm chilling <laughs> no um in terms of the Heat and the Celtics after that first game. I, I thought the Celtics were going to be able to get through this with, rel- you know, relatively unscathed, but boy, I don't know. It's yeah, really- and see, this is this is my thing with the Heat. It's you you can leave each game, and you're sitting there looking at the box score, thinking about how the game went, and in your brain, you're just like, well, if we just adjust this and you know, shoot a little better in this area, you know, add a little pressure on defense to this guy, then we should be good. And for whatever reason, it just never works out that way. I say this, this comes with experience. Like (laughs) I'm looking at the box score and, and, and I'm, I'm seeing it with my eyes. The heat cannot shoot like this every game. And what's going to happen is they're going to come out next game and they're going to shoot way worse but Boston's also going to shoot way worse because the Heat are like they're playing chess and everybody else is playing checkers. They have completely outclassed everybody in the playoffs so far. They and, and by no means are they better than the Bucks as a roster. I don't think outside of catch and shoot guys, which obviously the three point shots, everything these days, so it does matter, but overall as a roster. You know, when you look at injuries and everything, not better than the Knicks when you take out Tyler Hero. Not a better team. But when you add a team that knows how to play and a team that is obviously very well coached, it's been documented, and a team that can just hit threes every time they need to, then yeah, you're just, you're going to beat some teams who kind of look like they have no clue what they're doing. I mean, they, they scored, what, 40 some points? In the third quarter last night, the Celtics didn't call a timeout. And, I mean, it's just little things like that where I, I know, you know, people argue about momentum and and all those things, whether timeouts actually work when you're getting beat so handily. But, I mean, it's just the little things. I mean, Joe Mazzulla is new at this. And he's facing Eric Spolstra, who uh, just, you know, kind of handed it to, to Tibbs. So I, I don't know what to expect. I, I think the Celtics probably win the next game. Um, because I mean they're just they're too good. But as far after that, it's you go to Miami. It's like who knows how this is gonna go. And maybe the Celtics can win four straight, and this is kind of the last game the Heat can sneak one by everybody. But they're they they're doing it again. They're winning these game ones again. Right. I I think the Celtics will pull it out in the end, um, but it, it'll be tough. Um, my my brain says Celtics in six. Yeah, like they they sh- they are just too good, and even with the inexperienced coaching, their shooting alone should be able to beat the Heat. And you know what, Marcus Smart was kind of out of his mind last night 
if he can keep up any semblance of that this series, they should be in good shape. Jason, like you know, you mentioned it. Jason Tatum was not a no show by any nope. means. Uh, obviously, we got to clean up. We got to clean up the fourth quarter. You got to you got to act like you played basketball before in the fourth quarter. But um, right. Jalen Brown, I think, is he's. I mean, this is what we've seen. He's been a little inconsistent in these playoffs, <laughs> to put it lightly. Um, it seems like he's either yeah he's either forcing timeouts left and right going on runs by himself or you're sitting there thinking not doing anything yeah you're sitting there thinking man if if he had even scored you know 25 20 points which it's a nice little chunk but for him you should expect that in the playoffs uh then we'd be talking about a different game but he needs to be better more efficient clear number two um like they that they just can't afford to not have that. And uh, it's the Heat, and they do their culture thing. They're going to play hard. And I tell you, that's that's the one part of the whole Heat culture thing is I, I do think they truly force their guys to condition just a, a little bit harder compared to other teams where it's like they like they in basic stuff. Just just keeping a little bit of energy up in that fourth quarter so you can hustle for a loose ball. It's that type of stuff that, that keeps them in these games and has won them a lot of these games in the playoffs where even a guy like, you know, Marcus Smart might not have as much gas as Caleb Martin. <laughs> because even though all these guys, they have the conditioning and the nutrition regimen, like they're all over it the heat really do push some of these guys to an extra level. And it's, it's kind of the reason some people get soured by the idea of playing there. They really, they haven't been a top spot for free agents since LeBron. Um, They get, they, they do well in free agency. They sign some good players, but right. It's Miami. There's no income tax, uh, state income tax at least. Yeah. And that's, about it like there's a reason a guy like jimmy butler's works so well there is because he's a psychopath who, who works his butt off constantly and plays hard constantly like there's a reason and you know there's the there's been some arguments with spolstra and all that but that's because he's a lunatic which kind of adds to the fit like they're just a bunch of lunatics who play really hard and if they can find one possession to just out hustle you they're going to do it and they're going to find some plays and that over the course of the game with Jimmy playing well again and guys like Kevin Love just hitting a three or two and spreading the love on the bench, it's like, yeah, it's going to beat Boston when their best players know how to play down the stretch. So they better clean it up. I th- I, I'm hoping for their sake and Joe Mazzula's sake, this first game has kind of opened their eyes that while this isn't probably even as good a team as the Sixers, and on paper, certainly not as good as the Sixers. It's it's a they're just playing a little bit of different style of basketball that you need to adjust to. Yeah, and we'll see. I think it took a long time for Missoula to adjust to what the Sixers were doing. So, <clears throat> but he made the adjustment, put Robert Williams in the lineup. But so I think that that's the best version of the Celtics. But we'll we'll see. 
they, they can't there can be no cliche these guys play harder than everybody you need to really put an effort like it, it's like if you're going into possession and in your brain it is not clicking that i'm giving a hundred percent then they they are going to win that possession offense or defense like it it's yeah. crazy the stuff they do and Spolstra's good schematically like there's they're a smart team but they, like they just play hard and do all the simple stuff correctly like they don't mess up so yeah that's tough to compete against right i think yeah we'll see how those series go well the, we got plenty of time to let this play out and there'll be adjustments on both sides in both series um last thing john Morant. I mean, we talked about this two months ago on that episode. <laughs> it feels like we're talking about the end of the, you know, incompetence of the Sixers and John Morant stupidity on another episode. Deja vu. What? Why? I just don't get it. What are you, what are you doing? We said it the first time. Like, except I yelled it the first time. Now it's just like, let's just like I can only sigh it was anger and now it's disappointment yeah and and confusion it's 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 totally mind-boggling and there's been so much you know hashtag discourse on this on tv and radio yeah and twitter and you could make all the arguments you want to make there's you know it's leaking into the gun control conversation it's it's become a racial conversation and i'm not saying those points are invalid uh because if you're if you really want to add context to everything yeah it's totally valid like all that stuff plays a factor and at least the conversation surrounding this but the main factor surrounding all of it is that this is happening so recent to the last time we went through this it, this stupidity is off the charts. Like, he clearly, and we knew this wouldn't happen, the fake, you know, whatever intervention, rehab, like, whatever that was supposed to be, that little program he took and then came back a week later, Yeah, clearly did not, he was not receptive it to it. It was nothing. Yeah, like... It, it clearly, it was clearly nothing at the time. Because... It was, like the re- it was released, it was like, oh, after, like, you know, nine days of, you know you know therapy or whatever the, it was like two days or nine days or a week or something like that at the, as soon as i saw that i was like oh so they didn't do anything it or was my, clearly... or at least my thing was like that whatever treatment thing he was in or whoever therapist he was saying looked at him and was like there's not really anything wrong with him yeah my my thing is like it was such a short amount of time if the problem is bad enough that he would need a program like that, how is it that quick? <laughs> yeah, nothing, like, nothing like nothing like that actually gives you and, results in single digit days. Yeah, and it's and clearly as he I you thought, know, repeated the behavior, and I thought it was you know we admit this was bad. He he understands this was bad. We're gonna do this to try to show that there's action being taken. Um, and we're going to do the Jalen Rose interview and put out statements and all that. But 
and 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 I honestly thought that'd be the end of it. Like if we saw anything like this again, it'd be at least a year later, right? Because sometimes guys just can't find their way out of trouble. Yeah, it's been it's just been really weeks since we dealt with this. Two months, <laughs> like and at weeks. that point, you have to. And I'm not I'm not going to be one of these people who says you need to suspend him half the season or anything like that, but you have to really sit down and talk with him at this point, right? Like now it's like, okay, come on and say, this cannot happen again. Like this is idiotic. Maybe, maybe not your breaking laws, depending on the state, depending on licensing, all that stuff with, with having a gun for starters, not good gun safety to just be pointing a gun around on video or anywhere. That's part of it. <laughs> like that's a whole thing in itself. And the image stuff alone, it's just, it's idiotic. So let's sit down, talk with him, actually talk with him, not just talk about the statements you're going to put out and say, listen, like we, if you do this again, there's just going to have to be a serious punishment because it like, and it's not, it's, it's less of on the actions than it is the, the pure stupidity and the, the ignorance to having this public image and being aware of when there's cameras around you. Like at this point, it's like it, it, we don't even care if you're doing this in private. Like if you're just with your friends and you have guns, you want to show off whatever that you're not, as far as we know, breaking laws, that's not against anybody's laws or rules or anything. Do do whatever you want. Go to the gun range. We don't care. But you're just on Instagram swinging this gun around. <laughs> and it's a bad look all around. Like, I, it, it's really kind of stupefying. My thought, my almost immediate thought was, well, all the talk was about the people that he surrounds himself with. Which it doesn't sound like it's very. It's a very great crowd, but uh, it was actually his friend that was filming on Instagram Live, who, as soon as he saw that Jod pulled this gun out, pulled the pulled the phone down, and you know, down to his chest, <laughs> and was you know very clearly could be like, hey, 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 put that away, put that away. I'm live, I'm live. Uh, uh, <laughs> so I say it can't all just be. Uh, <laughs> His friends, because if your his friend was friend, the smart one in that situation, your friend in that moment, who a lot of people are putting the blame on, and you know you're in the wrong crowd. Your friend is the one, and his brain was like, "Ah, oh, this is not a good idea." <laughs> like it's still it's still fresh enough in his mind, but for you, it's you know, and I I get young superstar lots of money there's there's a feeling that you're invincible and all that but we we just went through it we just did this <laughs> and so it'll be a little different this time not only because it's so recent and it's the second offense but also he's kind of aided that it's the off season um there's going to be time to sit and think of what i mean i would imagine there'd be some type of suspension probably not long at the beginning of the season, but just something or a fine or something. I think they're going to suspend him like 20 games. And so he has that versus if this was in season, 
you know, if there's a game the day after that, he's going to sit out and maybe he sits out two or three games and then the suspension comes, Um, you know, if, (laughs) if it's again during the season and there's 23 games left, maybe it's just a 23 game suspension. Maybe they just go, well, it's the rest of the year. Sorry. You missed the playoffs. Like it's just, it's just dumb. Like, and there were some people, because it's not just the gun incident in, in the club and on live. And there's the whole rundown of jaw incidents, none of which are just awful, heinous things outside of the one. I'll say punching a teenager is pretty bad. But right, <laughs> that one's the worst. That one's on a different level. The rest of this stuff is just stupidity. Why are you doing this? But you put all those together. The gun in the club on IG Live was kind of the the cherry on top and the last strike of, okay, there's a suspension or, you know, a leave for therapy or something, and this is going to be serious. And a lot of people in the media were just saying, like, you know, hopefully this is kind of the moment where he understands he has to just, he, he just needs to watch himself. And hopefully we'll talk about this now and we'll never have to worry about this again. And now it's two months later and we're talking about it. And so at what point, it, I don't know what needs to happen for him to get it. And maybe he just won't ever get it. And he'll, just have, to hope he, he'll have to hope he gets away with stuff like this. But it's right. it, it's just frustrating. Because he, he's just, I mean, he's just going to be throwing away money. Yeah, that's, like that's his suspension, well, he's got this, you know, contract kicker in his, his super max. It, not super max, but well, that's the thing. Is it, it had to kind of kick her to be become kind of a super max deal if he made all NBA, and his suspension alone might have been what cost him all NBA this year, and now the rules going into the next year are going to be you know you have to play sixty five games to even be eligible for all NBA, and he's probably going to be suspended for so long that he can't even get there. Mm. So that that's the thing he's probably cost himself that extra money just off of that but he does have this you know 200 million dollar contract already and maybe it's the fact that that's kicked in and uh this you know i think next year is the first year that it kicks in if i remember correctly um it's already been signed maybe that's you know it's like oh i've got my i've got my big bag let me start to you know mess around maybe but that means you put endorsements on top of that right like there's gonna be plenty of so many endorsements like and, so, and it's like people have gone so far as to be like, oh, is this this thug needs to get off the streets. He needed to put him in the, you know, like, like he didn't break any, he didn't break any laws. You know, at least that we know of, uh, you know, this, this video happened in a, in a state that we think, uh, we assume is one with a, uh, uh, open carry law. Um, so it's nothing like, it's like, he's just being dumb yeah even if he did it's it's because it is a bad look for a professional athlete who is supposed to be you know whether they should be or not is a different story whether uh whether professional athletes should be looked at to be role models that's a totally different story the reality of the situation is that they are people look up to them and to just be a, a dude waving around a gun on, you know, in public on video, it's stupid. And it makes you look bad 
your friends might think you're, it makes you look cool, but it, no one else thinks that it does. Like yeah, for me, it's even if he had broken a law or two, um, someone's going to deal with that. That's its own thing. The part that is just maddening is the lack of common sense. And I think that's, that's where the outrage lies with pretty much everybody talking about this. I don't know anybody who's saying, you know, he should be arrested. He did, you know, he broke this law or there's none of that. Like, and if, if that was, that's, he's, someone's going to deal with that. That's right. I've seen know. a little bit of that here and there from like literally the stupidest people in the world. Like Aiden <laughs> Ross, I think Aiden Ross tweeted something like you know he called Morant a thug and like said something like that literally the most stupid hateful like racist people on earth sure yeah might but think any, any like pretty normal person is just mad at it the lack it's just the lack of self-awareness and all just all of that I mean it's if this happened 12 14 months from now I think the conversation's a little bit different. I think it's, oh man, he he did that again, huh? Well, I guess he'll get suspended. That's pretty stupid. But the fact that there's no time passing between these events, that's really <laughs> what months. that's that's what's created all the outrage and um it's just frustrating for people because I think at the very least, I think what you can say about this one is that he didn't know he was it was lot i think what happened there was his friend was doing the video he his friend made the gun hand hand signal with his hand and he was like oh he's telling me to get the gun out we must not he must just be recording this video just for us and then that's what happened yeah uh, and even that like that's that does nothing for me that excuse yeah no if there's a if that's you, just like it's very it's like two percent less stupid than when you per like you were on your own instagram you knew you were live <laughs> And even for me, like just waving a gun around, like that's nah. bad gun ownership, buddy. Yeah, it's just you're like pointing it all over the place. Yeah, I'm not a fan. No, that's it's just stupid. It brain dead. True. Like if you want to, if he wants to just like pose a picture, you know, holding it properly, not pointing at anybody. You just do that. You can even put it on Instagram, to be honest. I don't care. <laughs> can you just do what I do when I listen to Young Boy NBA? And I think, <laughs> man, this is good music. And that's it. You don't also think, wow, this guy's awesome and cool and I want to be just like him. <laughs> and you're rich. You shouldn't like, be. Why don't you do why don't you do rich people stuff? Right. You, you don't want to be like Young Boy. That's a lot of kids. Go to Disney World. A lot of child support. Disney World's so expensive. It's so fun. Spend some money on that. You know, yeah. you're rich. Right. Buy an NFL Sunday ticket from, from Google. It's great. Yeah. Go you to the Kentucky Derby. There you go. Put on a uh, frat boy suit and live it up. Drink a lot of beer. Yeah. Which, you know, poof, plenty of discourse on his drinking, which I don't know what's confirmed there we, but we literally we don't know anything about that do we? and like, that's that actually there, there's so much speculation which uh, to me it's like it, he i'm not worried about that <laughs> i'm worried that's, about the stuff like, we can see <laughs> right it's like even if he even if that was the problem you know what i don't do when i drink beer wave a gun around 
Only on Thursdays. Oh, uh, yes, of course. And that's that's today's date. So, you know. You know what that means. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome. And uh, that's our cold open. Welcome into High Lady Speed. <laughs> anyway, the real show today, we're, uh, t- we're doing uh, talking about the Orioles. Uh, <laughs> oh, man. We're out of time. <laughs> ah, yeah. That's our show. Oh, man. Go Rams. <laughs> Ha, ha, ha.